Welcome to the Dietitian Boss Podcast. I'm your co-host, Marissa Kai Millick, registered dietitian and binge freedom coach. As your guest host, I'm interviewing dietitian bosses and sharing their stories to inspire you to take action and create a six-figure income using social media marketing. Lemma Brown is a registered dietitian nutritionist specializing in diabetes nutrition and education. She graduated from West Virginia University with a bachelor's degree in human nutrition and foods and completed her dietetic internship and master's degree in nutrition from Meredith College in Raleigh, North Carolina. She now lives in Harrisonburg, Virginia with her family. Lemma has lived with type 1 diabetes for over 15 years. Her own diagnosis sparked her interest in studying nutrition and pursuing it as a professional career. She is passionate about helping others with diabetes lower their A1C with flexible, low-carb eating strategies that fit easily into busy lifestyles. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Lemma. Great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So let's just go ahead and start with talking about where you started out and where you currently are. Sure. So I started out, I'm a clinical nutrition dropout. I've been a clinical dietitian for about eight years. And recently, about 18 months ago, I decided to walk away from clinical nutrition because I knew it wasn't the best fit for me. And also I had a daughter at that time and I wanted to spend more time with her. And I just couldn't make a clinical job with the demanding schedule work for my life. So I walked away from that job knowing that I wanted to pursue, I knew that I wanted to pursue a career as a private practice dietitian and I just, I just didn't know where to start. So it took me, and I had a lot of fear. So it took me a long time to really get serious about diving in and really pursuing it as a serious job until recently. And I'm so happy I finally took the leap. That's awesome that you just decided it wasn't for you and just dove right in. That's that's really great. So since leaving clinical and kind of moving in this direction of working for yourself, what type of clients do you work with? It's the current niche you have now, what you've always had, or tell us a little bit about how this evolved. Honestly, I knew before I even became a dietetic intern, when I was studying nutrition in school, I knew that I wanted to work with clients with diabetes. And I knew that probably eventually I would do something on my own. But as a nutrition student, I just, I didn't know what that would look like. And I had a hard time like getting into the diabetes realm when I was a clinical dietitian, because the opportunities were kind of few and far between, and you had to be a diabetes educator. And I didn't have that credential. So I felt very limited. So when I decided to jump in and do private practice, I knew that I wanted to do diabetes. I knew I wanted to do diabetes nutrition. I have the disease myself. So I felt like I had a little bit extra something to offer to these, hopefully my potential clients. So it hasn't evolved too much. I knew that I always wanted to do diabetes and that's what I've decided to stick with. Nice. So as you started in that, was there anything that you got clearer on that helped you market or get more sales or anything like that? Yes. So when I started, I really focused more on myself and my own journey, but that didn't translate into sales. I mean, that didn't translate into people knocking on my door and wanting me to work with them. I built a bigger community on Instagram that way with other people who have diabetes, but I wasn't clear on what I was offering and what I could offer potential clients. So that's definitely something I've worked on is clarifying my own message and offer so people know that I provide services and I can help them with their management of diabetes. Great. Yeah. I love that reflection. So in clarifying your message and getting more specific, how did this affect your sales? 
It definitely improved my sales. I even just working for a couple of weeks on clarifying my content, which is always a work in progress, but even really just, yeah, I'm trying to think back just maybe a week or two, I was getting more direct messages from people who seemed more interested in what I was putting out as far as my content, which didn't exactly lead to sales initially, but eventually did. So definitely gearing my content more to the clients that I want to work with and less on myself really did impact my sales and made them more. Right, right. That's awesome. That's that's so important to get clear and not put out there what you want, but put out there what your clients need. And yeah, you definitely have been doing a really great job at that. So in regard to your offer, can you walk us through your process of creating your offer in your business? Yes. So when I initially started, I only offered single sessions in my business and I had no idea. I didn't know that I would progress or if that was even an option. And then after I sold a few single sessions in my business, I decided to progress to the bundle of sessions, a bundle of three sessions. And I've been able to sell one of those so far. And I have a couple of calls this week and hopefully I'll sell a few more of those. And it's been really great actually to progress in my offer and progress to offering more things because I've noticed that, especially selling my first bundle, it was a very a fairly easy sell. That client wanted the accountability. That client wanted more sessions with me. They didn't want to be limited to just the one session because when it comes to diabetes, if you get a client who is motivated and really wants to work with you and make changes that will hopefully lower their A1C, hopefully get their blood sugars in check, they want to establish that care and they want to work with you longer. So they definitely want that opportunity. So it's great that I've been able to progress and offer that because that is what I'm seeing my clients want. Yeah, that's really great. And I love that you keep saying progress. You know, you didn't just jump right into the bundles. You made sure you were settled at the one-to-one offers and felt confident in selling that before you moved on, which I think is really important for us dietitians. We need to slow down, kind of start small, and then build from there as the need for it grows. Definitely really important. So can you walk us through your experience with just using social media to grow your business? Yeah. So starting out, I knew, and I learned this from Libby's podcast. I knew that I wanted to use social media, predominantly Instagram and also Facebook too, a little bit to grow my business because I wanted to, I wanted to have a virtual business. This is what I've always wanted to do. And, and this is what she talked about in her podcast. So I knew that Instagram was the way that I needed to go, but I started an Instagram account and it was really just more of a hobby account at first. Now that I look back, I was like, wow, what was I even talking about? Like I was just kind of posting random pictures of food and talking about walking with my daughter and not really talking about even diabetes specifically. It wasn't, it just had no clear message. It had no clear direction. So it it was kind of like, no wonder people couldn't find me. I had a a very unclear handle. You know, I, I really wasn't getting anywhere other than building followers, but now I've really focused on clarifying my message and making my content geared towards what my ideal client is looking for, really trying to listen to them more, looking, doing my market research and listening to what their main struggles are with diabetes and with management. And I really have been tailoring my captions and my posts to that. And that has really, looking back and then looking now, just a few weeks, it's really been a transformation for my account and and myself in business. Yeah. So let's talk a little more about that. What did your Instagram look like before in compared to what it looks like now? It really just looked like a personal account. It was just 
kind of random pictures, I think, when I look back at it. And now it's, it's a lot more simple. The posts, I think, are more intentional. They have a little bit more of a purpose behind them. They are educational, but it, they are more, I think, geared towards finding that resolution or that outcome that the client is looking for versus just like a picture of myself. It's not clear. It doesn't really show anything. The client can't see themselves in it. They can't see their progression. So I think that's definitely how it's evolved in just a short time. Yeah, that's really great. Getting clear in the message and how you're speaking to your ideal client in the post, so important and in the captions and it can take that refinement and experimenting, but you know, really comparing before and after, it's so much fun to look at how far yeah. you've come and things like that. So with making your Instagram content, you know, we want to uh, connect to our ideal client, but what is your process for really getting that sale to follow through? How do you get them to apply for a call, get on a sales call with you? What's your process? So it definitely right now, can, it looks a little bit different, but I'm trying to really streamline the process, especially if a client reaches out to me. Because sometimes clients, they'll reach out directly on my Instagram. I have a link to my application on my Instagram bio. And most of the time, clients will get on there themselves and they'll complete the bio and they'll schedule a discovery call with me, which is great. But sometimes clients just, they want to have a back and forth beforehand, maybe on a direct message, or they might find my email and send me an email message that way, which definitely is, I welcome and it, it is fine. But then I try to then direct them to filling out my application online just to make sure that they're a good fit, you know, for us working together before we then jump on a call and kind of maybe move towards making more serious plans of working together. Yeah. And how do you feel about your sales your discovery call process, your sales call, has that improved since you started? Oh my gosh, it has. I, I was just thinking about this today. I was like, I remember my first discovery call before I started the program and I'm surprised that person even bought from me. I don't even know what we talked about and I know I wasn't clear. I'm not even sure if I offered anything. I think she just was ready and wanted to work with me, which was great. But now I'm a lot more confident. I'm getting less nervous for them. And I have my agenda ready and I'm not as nervous talking about price with them. I'm ready for that conversation. And it really is more of a step-by-step -step process. And so far it's been going really well for me. I feel so much more confident than I used to, which I was just completely lost on the, on the call before. And now I have a set plan. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think like you said, with the client who came to you and just sounded ready to buy, that just goes to show that your Instagram marketing is getting clearer because when you can sell it before you even have to, then it's a lot easier once they get on that, that phone call because they already trust you through the content that you've been putting out there. So that's really important. So let's go back to that a little bit. What is your process for creating your Instagram content? So currently my process is that I really allot specific time for it. Just because, I mean, we, we all have trouble with time and not having enough of it. So I do a lot specific time. And what I do is I usually have ideas that I've gotten from either myself or my previous posts. I try to recreate my posts that have done well in insights before. I usually do that first, recreate things that already are working. And then I'll go back to kind of like my idea board either some ideas that I thought of or I've gotten feedback from other people, either within the program or clients. And then I'll look at those ideas and create content from that. And I try to just create a, several posts at once. And then I kind of have this set up already for posts, which is nice. And it makes it a little bit easier. And that process is getting like 
quicker and easier all the time, which is nice. At first, it used to be so difficult. And I felt like this week, I'm already like a little bit ahead with it, which feels awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And the more you do and the more you stay consistent, the easier it gets because you start to identify what works. Like you said, you're recreating content now and and looking at your insights, which is really important. So you said, you know, you have limited time. And so you allot this time to creating your Instagram content. So how do you stay motivated and moving forward with this virtual practice with such limited time? Well, I definitely stay motivated because I love, I mean, of course, I don't have a lot of time. I am at home now. I'm not working full-time or part-time like I used to. This is my job now. And I have my daughter here with me all the time. So my time is very limited. But I stay motivated because I love the flexibility. And I love that I can balance work life and my family life. So that really keeps me motivated. And I take that motivation and I put it into the time that I do have. I try to work smart and not hard. And I try to make you know each, like I said, with the content each time it's getting easier. I know that, you know, this week is going to be easier than last week and quicker than last week. And I try to not spend too much time on any one task. I've even started setting timers, especially for content to not just kind of like fiddle with things, like keep like adjusting fonts and things. I mean, once it's done, it's done. It doesn't need to be perfect. And that's something I've learned in this program. I think Libby said B minus work and just, and go doesn't need to be a plus work, which we all want as dietitians, it doesn't have to be perfect. And I have been trying to prioritize my tasks as well and really prioritize my client sessions, but also my discovery calls, which hopefully will bring new clients to me, which is, you know, I need to book new clients in order to keep doing this. So that needs to take priority over other things. And I try to lump together little tasks into one task, like answering DMs or answering emails. And, and that just takes a short amount of time. So I kind of lump those together. And only putting a few things on my to-do list is important. I can't put 10 things on there and expect to get them all done. But I can probably get four things done in the time that I have. So that's definitely been a process, but it's been improving. And I, I stay motivated because this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do forever. I don't want to go back to clinical work. So I'm going to make it work for me. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. And I love what you said about not being such a perfectionist. You know, I think often we think everything needs to be perfect. And if it's not the right font, the right color, like it's not going to work, but really it's about the messaging and we're constantly learning and growing as we go and discovering what works. So that is a really good tip. So with using Instagram, getting clear on your message, posting all of this stuff, what are one to two tips you have for listeners about how to effectively build the no like, and trust factor? I think it's really important to show your face, just like Libby says. I think seeing pictures of the person who's providing the content really, it helps you get to know them more. Just having their face there makes it a lot more personable, but also showing up in stories, which I was, I like pushed back on initially. And I still, I'm always working on my stories and I, they're hard for me to do. I have to kind of get ready for them and do them and I'm working on my enthusiasm with doing them, but gosh, you know, when I watch other people's stories, I really see that I, I know them more, you know, they're talking, they're interacting with me and you definitely build a little bit more connection that way. If the, if the person is actually talking, they're a talking head and they're talking about their content, you, you really do build that know, like, and trust. Like I know them, I like what they're talking about. Maybe I trust them to, to for us to work together because they seem to know what they're talking about and they've helped so many people. And I've also been working on 
getting a little bit more vulnerable with my own story with diabetes and my own journey because my journey is far from perfect. You know, just because I'm a dietitian doesn't mean I'm perfect, doesn't mean my numbers are perfect all the time with blood sugar. And I think that's important for my clients to know that it, this is a forever journey. It's not a perfect one. You know, we make progress, but it's, it's never about perfection. And I live in their shoes and I've been exactly where they are. You know, I've asked the same questions and, you know, I hope that that puts them at ease and definitely helps them trust me a little bit more knowing that I understand because that's really hard in healthcare to work with clinicians, dietitians, you know, doctors, whoever to find someone who shares that same journey. You know, I've never had that. And I've gotten a little frustrated sometimes, like, you know, you don't, you don't know me, you know, you don't know my life and you don't know what I deal with, but I actually do. And I, I think it's important for me to share that with clients. And I think that definitely helps build a little more trust with me, hopefully. No, definitely. I think getting vulnerable, if you have a personal connection to your why behind what you're doing can be so important to show your clients, like I'm here with you. I'm on the journey with you. Let's do this together. Definitely. And so I love that you're open to being vulnerable and sharing more of your story. I think that's really awesome that you've been able to do that. So what has been your biggest investment as you've grown this business? As far as growing my business, my biggest investment was definitely this program. I knew when I started my business, because I had been listening and following Libby's podcast and her Instagram for a while. And it was one of the resources I had for starting my business and kind of getting my mindset set with something that I wanted to do. So when she had spots opening up again in her group program, I knew that I was going to make this investment as a business expense. It's like, you know, I know that she's going to help me and I know that she's going to get me where I want to go quicker and teach me the skills that I need. So why am I not going to invest in this and just spin my wheels and waste time? So this program is definitely my biggest and best investment. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I love hearing that reflection of just, you knew you needed that guidance and reaching out for help is a way to kind of streamline the process rather than play a big guessing game. Definitely. So with regard to progressing, you know, you've progressed your offer, you're getting clearer, you're getting more clients, more discovery calls. What have been your biggest fears around increasing your price point as you move up? I think my biggest fear, and I'm working on it. And I think a lot of, a lot of dietitians think like this because I, I come from clinical and I've definitely been undervalued and underpaid for a long time. And we get stuck in that mindset, like, oh, this is what I make as a clinical dietitian. I'm not going to make any more. I'm not going to progress, but so much. And we definitely get into the habit of undervaluing ourselves. And we're really doing ourselves a disservice for what we offer, but we're doing the profession a disservice because we're kind of just keeping ourselves stuck, you know, in this space that isn't working really for anybody. So it's definitely just a fear, you know, it's just... What are they going to say? No. Well, then maybe they're not the best client for me if the price isn't going to work for them. So it is definitely kind of just a fear thing of like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to charge that much because what, what will this potential client think? And so far, I haven't had anyone tell me no. I haven't had anyone give me any pushback. And at first, it was a little eye opening, like, oh, my gosh you know, I thought this was a, a high price, but it's really not, you know, it's not to people, they value their health and they want that outcome and they're going to be willing to pay for it. Even if I charge something higher, they would probably be willing to pay for it. As long as you're clear about what you're offering to them, offering them and what that outcome is. And if it's what they want, they are going to pay for it. So it's really kind of just getting out of that fear way of thinking, like, and also getting out of that undervalued mindset 
in progressing because it, it's so important for us to be confident with our price point. And yes, I'm definitely like, and I'm getting around like everyone else, but I think it's incredibly important to just kind of believe in yourself and know that you're worth it. Yeah, definitely. I love that. And like you said, it is a mindset shift. So what advice would you give to other RDs who think they can't charge that higher price point? The advice I would give would be, you know, just, I think it's important to not undersell yourself. So you should figure out your price based on the market. And, you know, I, my advice is that you should definitely set the price that you think you deserve. And even if you think it's a little bit high, you should just go for it. And again, like I said, with, if you get pushback from clients, well, it's likely that there's another reason, like they're just not maybe a good fit for you. But I think it's important to, to stick to what you offer and to go for it and to get just get out of the fear, you know, get out of the fear that they might say no, because that's if that's really the worst thing they say, it's not that bad. It's OK. You know, it's all right. It's just a matter of being a business owner and believing in yourself and being confident. Definitely. Yeah, I, that's really great advice for everyone listening. So what advice would you give for someone in general just starting out on this journey? Gosh, well, just go for it, you know, start. It took me eight years, you know, to start or really longer to get started. I wish I started when I was an intern. You know, I I didn't feel like private practice was even an opportunity for me. You know, when I was an intern, I felt like I had to definitely had to do my clinical experience, definitely had to get my feet wet. I think if if this is something you want to do, you know, if there's a specific area you're interested in, if you want to work for yourself and be a private practitioner. You just need to go for it and, you know, definitely figure out what you need to be successful. I figured out that I needed this program. So if that's something that you feel like will benefit you, you should go for it. Be consistent, you know, be consistent on showing up on Instagram. That has helped me tremendously set goals for yourself financially, but also, you know, as far as definitely financial goals, but set goals for where you want to see your business in so many months. What do you want the progression to look like as far as what you offer and how many clients you hope to have, which certainly go into money goals as well. But I think it's important to have like a clear picture for yourself and kind of lay things out. So you don't just get like lost in the details because I get pretty lost in details and get overwhelmed. But if I look back at my roadmap, it makes me a lot more calm about my path. Yeah, definitely. That's great advice. So why don't you tell us what is next for your business? Well, my plan is to sell a couple more bundle sessions. And I want to do that before the end of July. And I feel like I will. And then I want to progress to small group programs with uh, focusing on diabetes nutrition with also flexible eating, flexible low carb eating, and hopefully continue to progress with groups into bigger groups and maybe do a few specialty programs mixed in as well. I have another special, special interest with type one diabetes and pregnancy which I I don't focus on in my content, but it is an interest area of mine. So I definitely want to get into doing group programs and working with more of a group setting. I I think that support is very important for the diabetes population. So I think that's going to be a great move for me eventually. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing your story with us today, Lemma. Why don't you let us all know where we can find you? Sure. I'm on Instagram. My handle is at diabetes underscore nutrition. And I'm also on Facebook as Lemma Brown, comma MSRDN. And I have a website. It is lemmabrownnutrition.com. Awesome. Thank you so much.
Thank you. If you identify as a female dietitian or student, apply to my coaching program. I'm accepting applications now. My clients go from zero to exceeding their sales goals. I save you time, energy, and I show you how to confidently become a dietitian boss. Thousands of your colleagues from around the world are doing it, and so can you. Apply on my website at LibbyRothschild.com and check the show notes if you want that link right away.